Welcome to the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast brought to you by our awesome friends from Hy-V and Toys and Ford. Coming up on this episode of the podcast, we're going to chat with our good friends Joe and Bill, former Badger offensive lineman. Bill played a little bit in the NFL as well. We're going to talk to them about uh, what great questions and just an awesome, fun, uh, fun conversation. It's always really cool and and hilarious to hear those two guys together talk. Uh, but just you know, kind of talking about their playing days and uh, interesting to get their thoughts on you know the style of defense that maybe gave them the most fits or was maybe the most difficult to, to go up against and a bunch of other awesome stuff there too. So that's coming up in the second half of this podcast. But we begin with finally, right? Finally. It seems like it's been forever, but it's really only been a little over a week. But uh, maybe for some fans, it took a little too long. Packers have a new defensive coordinator, Jeff Hafley, head coach from Boston College, coming over to be the defensive coordinator for the Packers. Now, my first impressions of this was probably like a lot of other fans' first impressions of this. You're like, a who? A what? Like, excuse me? Who's, uh, who is that? Because we have didn't hear his name as part of the process. We didn't hear that he had interviewed. So he wasn't one of those names that was, I guess, leaked out or reported uh, to be going over there for an interview. So... After that initial wave of like, huh, who? He's not even in the NFL? You start to look at it. You start to read up and watch some clips and listen to other people who may be a little bit smarter than us. And then I think after we all did that, kind of like, okay, this is an intriguing move. I kind of like this move. Now, I'll start off by saying we don't know how the heck this is going to work out until games start going, right? We don't know. We, we know nothing about this. We don't know if it's going to work out. It might be great. It might be bad. It might be somewhere in the middle. We won't know until we actually get to games. But if we look at some of the stuff that's been out there, we kind of get an idea of maybe his mindset, his scheme, his goals, his philosophy, that sort of thing. Now, quick background. He was head coach at Boston College these last few years. Was co-defensive coordinator at Ohio State in 2019. Before that, he was defensive backs coach for the 49ers under Kyle Shanahan, Robert Sala, then was a defensive backs coach in Cleveland under Mike Pettin, but Kyle Shanahan was also there as offensive coordinator. So he does have some experience in the NFL. And by some reports, he wanted to kind of move on from the college game because, like a lot of coaches it seems like now, either retiring or getting out of the college game because the college football landscape has changed so much, NILs, transfer portals, etc., and it sounds like he just wants to focus on football, wants to coach football. So, you got that. Um, and for, let me say this too. There's been some reports about whether he's a really good friend of Matt LaFleur's. ESPN reported that. Others, local media have said, eh, not really. Not, not that much. They know of each other, but they're not necessarily like really good friends. I don't give a you-know-what. I don't, I don't care. Okay? I don't care if they're BFFs, if they were, you know childhood friends or this is the first time they met somewhere in between i don't care i just want a really good football coach a good defensive coordinator we see examples right now in the league of 
coaches having their friends as coordinators, and it's working. Kansas City. We've seen where coaches have brought in, you know, other coordinators who they've never worked with, but they know their background, they know their resume is pretty good, and it didn't work out. Most recently, Brian Dayball and Wink Martindale lasted like a year and a half, and I say year and a half even though they did two years together because there was already reports halfway through the season that they were not getting along. So you got examples all across the board, okay? There, there's examples of this crowd. I don't care. I just want a good football coach. So what can we expect from from Jeff Halfley? What can we expect from him? Style of defense. That's the big question out there, right? Well, you look at some of the stuff he's he's done. And some of the, the defenses he's been around. There's some talk it could be a 4-3. There's some talk it could be, you know, kind of a wide 9 or, you know, 4-2-5, maybe elements of 3-4. It's all over the place. For one, I think that gap has changed where, you know, how long ago it was, you know, there was straight-up differences, big-time differences between 4-3s and 3-4s. I think that gap has shrunk. I think there's elements of a bunch of styles of defense into one collective defense now. I think, you know, you can kind of pick apart and choose different ones and have different packages. We know a lot of defenses now are majority of them are ran in, in nickel formations with the third extra um, uh, defensive back, cornerback in there. So while it kind of seems like that maybe we're going to get elements of a base 4-3 with him coming in, if that is the case, I don't think that'll be an issue with Green Bay. I think Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Lucas Van Ness, those guys, they can have their hand in the dirt and and, and they'll be fine as an end. Kind of similar maybe to like Micah Parsons' role uh, with the Dallas Cowboys, maybe for like a Rashawn Gary such. So I don't think that'll be an issue. I think the one of the biggest ones I'll be curious about is the linebacker position. Now, again, it could be a 4-2-5, you know, two linebackers. If it is a, if, if you're doing straight-up base 4-3, which, you know, I think you got to be careful with that, just assuming it's going to be a uh, base 4-3, you're kind of looking at, okay, does linebacker then be kind of, kind of, you know, move up in terms of the priority order of trying to, you know, maybe get some more help over there? You got Quay Walker. We don't know about Devondre Campbell if he's coming back. Isaiah McDuffie, who did play for uh, for Jeff Halfley at BC, you got him there. I think they want to give him a little bit more exposure, but you probably need some more depth at that position. But what I think uh, – has a lot of Packer fans excited with this hire too, is that he is a proponent of press coverage. He wants to press cover. I read this quote the other night, the other night when it broke, and you're kind of doing some research and and you're looking at okay, what type of coach is he? What is he going to run? And 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 all that sort of stuff. And there was this quote that uh, that I had read. Online, it said this was from him when he was in Ohio State. Love press man, got to be able to play press man, have to be able to. I think it's a fundamental technique that's kind of lost in football right now, and it's hard, and you've got to work it. Assuming he has that same mindset coming into Green Bay, I think a lot of Packers fans are excited about that because that has been something Packers fans have been clamoring for for a while now is to get those corners closer to the line of scrimmage and playing press coverage. Another thing that I think has got Packers fans excited about this, you keep hearing the word aggressive. Dan Orlovsky used it. He's tweeting out, he liked the hire, much, much more aggressive. You're going to see that with this defense. So I think that's what has Packer fans excited about this. Initially, it was like, who the heck is that? Why are we going to the college ranks? Once that wore off and you start doing your research and you start doing your background look and you're like, okay, 
and you start listening to the guy talk and, and talk about his, his scheme, his philosophy, it's like, I like it. It's kind of like fans went through their own interview process with him. You know, Matt LaFleur brings him in, interview. What are you going to do? What's your, what's your thought on our team right now? How would you construct your defense? I like it. You're hired. It's kind of like the fans did their own sort of interview with him, going through the different articles and videos and, and uh, seeing what they got with him. And I'm optimi- optimistic about this. I've got no other reason not to be, right? I've got no other reason not to be because I don't know what's going to happen. I think what I'm really excited about, though, too, is that it is going to be something different. It's not going to be something from the same style of defense that we've seen the last few years. We are, by all accounts, going to be a little bit more aggressive, which I like. There's risks to that, no doubt about it. You open up yourself to maybe some more big plays, but I'm cautiously optimistic. And I use the word cautiously, and I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, but I'm just like, I don't want to get my hopes up way too high just because we don't know yet. We don't know yet. I do hope Matt LaFleur allows him to go out there and bring some of his own assistants in or bring some guys that he knows. Because if you are going to kind of reshape this defense, I think you've got to bring you know, some of your guys in to help with that, to help coach it, to help teach it. I know there's been conflicting reports about who's going, like if he's going to keep the, the position coaches or not, or maybe some of them. We'll see in the coming days. But I do hope that he's allowed to at least bring some of his coaches in to help coach that defense. But I think this this is a new era of Packers defense. That's the one thing we know for sure. This is a new era of Packers defense. Maybe even a little bit more of an aggressive era of Packers defense. It's something different that a lot of fans have wanted to see for a while now. All right, let's take a quick break and let's talk to Joe and Bill after these quick words. Winter is here in the Chippewa Valley, which means it's even more important to make sure you have a good vehicle to hit the winter roads of Wisconsin. Need that vehicle for this winter season? Look no further than Toyson Ford in Chippewa Falls. Whether it's a car, truck, or SUV from their new or used inventory, Toyson Ford has the vehicle you're looking for. Making sure you have a good, proper working vehicle is incredibly important this winter season, and Toyson Ford knows that. Just give them a visit today at 1000 Chippewa Crossing Boulevard and visit ToysonFord.com. It's that time of year where we may be stuck indoors for a bit, so you need to make sure your pantries, fridge, and freezers are fully stocked. How do you do that while also saving some money? Easy. Just shop at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. Whether it's stocking the pantry with soups or dried goods, or loading up the deep freezer with pizzas and frozen foods, Hy-Vee has the best selection to help keep you stocked during the winter months. And with their Hy-Vee perks, you'll save money at the register and the gas pump. Stock up on your favorite grocery items and save money with Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. Back with our good friends from Cabin Coffee. We've got Joe. We've got Bill also back in studio. Gentlemen, how's the podcast coming? Getting there? Getting there? You know, we're just, this is so new to us. We're just yeah. trying to, like, we're at step, like, two and a half, and then we go back to step one trying to figure this out. We are not IT guys. Uh, uh, people who are, kudos to you. Uh, we're just trying to figure out. To put it in football terms, I feel like we both just got traded to a new team and we're trying to learn an offense. I, I would say that's it. 
Yeah, I always said to people, learning new offense is like learning new language, and we're truly learning new language right it's now. It's a good analogy. Yeah, I like but that. But it, it's, it's a fun deal. We're excited about it. We're definitely learning a lot. You've been giving us a lot of help, which we're tremendously thankful for. And But uh, it's a process, a lot mm-hmm. of learning going into it. So hopefully well, it, uh, we have a good product to put out, yeah. and uh, we're excited. Well, just kind of seeing and listening to you guys talk, it's going to be a really good, really entertaining podcast. If we get all the so. plugins plugged into the proper mm-hmm. spots and the dials turned the right way, it should be good. Absolutely. Yeah. Change uh, the batteries the label maker bill make sure <laughs> exactly. that baby's fired up exactly uh you got some social media accounts too that people should be following uh, we did well. we we started getting our 217 mills up uh live on facebook instagram uh twitter and we're starting to right now we're just pubbing some of the past we got some old school pictures of when yeah. we first met uh nice button-up shirts in that one picture by the way <laughs> that was it, like we looked at it now like 30 years later and we're like did we try and talk to each other to organize to both wear khakis both wear <laughs> we're like why do we look so similar like even joe's family is like did you guys coordinate your outfits and we're like we had no idea we just threw on what probably whatever was clean that day right and we looked uh somewhat professional but yeah it's basically at 217 south mills uh and we're gonna be we have a youtube account we don't have anything on there yet obviously mm-hmm. because once we start producing some shows we'll be getting uh the links up uh but yeah we're grateful for cabin coffee altoona for sponsoring us and uh probably within after we get our probably first six episodes downloaded we're gonna be recording live from uh cabin coffee and they'll be putting out to their uh network when and where we'll be doing that so awesome. excited that's awesome mm-hmm. looking forward to that for sure it's going to be really cool so hey we got a couple questions uh for you guys uh for, from some listeners out there and uh i think it's probably related to the news with green bay getting in a new defensive coordinator and you know for the longest time they're three four now are they going to go to a four three you hear why nine and you know four two fives all that sort of stuff and one listener uh, Bill was asking, was there a certain style of defense when you guys were playing that was more difficult to prepare for? I guess I don't know if it's more difficult to prepare for. I just said we didn't see a lot of 3-4 defenses in, in college. Our, our run game was pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last thing you want to do is put three down linemen in front of uh, our, you know, Wisconsin football offensive linemen. Right. So we rarely saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we use a four three or bears. Uh, so, I guess I wouldn't say it's harder. Um, not harder, I guess. It depends on how much confidence you think you have in your, uh, you know, in your secondary. You know, if you think that your secondary is a little bit weaker, you know, then you're gonna want guys, you know, the three four. But mm-hmm. for the most part, it was usually four three. Mm-hmm. And I'd say there's usually one team that likes doing things differently. And the rest of the league watches to see if it works or doesn't work. And probably the one defense I just thought of that we f- did face in college that was different was Minnesota. Minnesota, the Gophers, they used to have one lineman line up off the ball. And it was just, you know, it's screwed with your head because you you, mm-hmm. you see X's and O's on paper and everybody does it the same way. And then all of a sudden they got a D lineman lining up half the distance between the D line and linebacker level in a standing position. So now you got to account for him as a down lineman, but he's got the movement to be able to go mm-hmm. many different areas. Uh, when I was in the league in the NFL, Atlanta was the only team that ran the 3 4. And, but at the same time, too, while Joe and I were playing and then while I was in the NFL running, the running game was much bigger than it is right now. Now mm-hmm. it's a passing league. People want to put up points, and that's why I feel everybody's going to the 3-4. So, yeah. I mean, I'd like to see more 4-3, especially out of Green Bay, just to be able to stop that run. Mm-hmm. But you're putting pressure on your corners and your, sa- your safety. So it's just trying to get that defense to become complete. Mm-hmm. Do you think, too, because uh, with 
how mobile quarterbacks are now. You know, running the oh, football. I mean, absolutely. you know, that's that, that adds that new wrinkle into everything. Absolutely, and how you that play game defense. has changed so much. Where back then, I mean, court, I mean, look at a Brett Favre. Or, uh, for sure, Brett Favre. He could run the ball if he wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, Brett wants to throw that ball. Right. You're not that concerned about Brett leaving the pocket. Where today, name a quarterback that doesn't leave the pocket. Almost everybody scrambles, mm-hmm. gets those big big runs, and uh, yeah, it's something you have to account for in today's game. Yeah, well, and as an offensive lineman, like you want that ability to have your quarterback scramble on the same in the same time. It's all about timing. I mean, now you're looking at coverage sacks because your quarterback is not is not where you thought he was going to be, where the pocket is, and he's scrambling, you know, and and, and, and being creative and making a play. So, it put a, I think it put a lot, it puts a lot of pressure on the offensive linemen, especially because you have no idea where he's going to be or, or where they're going to be going, um, and then all of a sudden you look really foolish when you give up a sack and mm-hmm. you know everyone celebrates and you're the guy in the background with your head down, you know. So right. And to Joe's point about the offensive linemen. We know our blocking scheme, but within our blocking scheme, we also know where that quarterback is supposed to be lined up. So, for instance, like if it was a two-jet and the line is sliding to the left, the whole line is sliding, protecting the gap on your left, you're expecting that quarterback to be lined up behind the right guard or the right tackle, and then all of a sudden a scramble happens. If he scrambles to the left, you're not expecting him to be there. So when you're pushing your guy left and all of a sudden you push him right into the quarterback – now it makes you look bad, but you right. didn't know where the quarterback was. And then Joe said coverage sack. I would love for fans and everybody to learn what a coverage sack is. That is not the <laughs> offensive lineman's fault. If you watch a quarterback running around for nine seconds, that is not the offensive lineman's responsibility to block somebody that long. That's on the quarterback. I kind of related that, too, because you think a lot of fans, when we hear certain stuff like, you know, I'll just mention because we're talking about it off the air, zone runs, you know, zone run blocking scheme. Mm-hmm. You, you were talking a little bit about, you know, when Mike McCarthy came in, and I remember that talk. He's bringing this in, you know, with the linemen, you know, uh, just it's going to be a different style of running. It really wasn't, though. No, was it? it was the same exact, and it, it, it really uh, tripped me up. I was like, wait a second, he's bringing in the zone run game? I'm like, what the heck did we call what we did when I was there? Like, we ran zone in college. I ran zone in Green Bay. Then Coach McCarthy comes in, and he's like, uh, the media said he's bringing the zone in. And I remember calling up Mark Tauscher, and I go, what are you guys doing different than when I was there a couple years ago? He goes, same exact thing. <laughs> but the media took it and run with it, and it was a story. And, I mean, yep. good for them. It was something new that the, the fans would get hyped about. But for the most part, football X's and O's. And uh, Frank Winters, the Green Bay Center, told me, Coaches outcoach themselves. They overthink things. Football is a simple game, mm-hmm. but when you give somebody, when it's that much pressure on you to get those wins week in and week out, you put so much pressure on that offense and that def- and you start outthinking yourself mm-hmm. a lot of times. Let me ask you guys this because it's been a topic this week: analytics and football. You know, with with Dan Campbell, a lot has you know he's been getting a lot of uh, crap. You mm-hmm. know, for going for it on fourth down because the analytics say that and. Maybe not kicking a field goal. I mean, I don't think analytics was kind of talked about when when you guys were, were playing and such. But what are your general thoughts as as former players about analytics being in the game? Or you know, because you look at Dan Campbell and he's he's a football guy, yeah, and you wouldn't yeah. think analytics would be involved yeah. with with a Dan Campbell no. type of player. But what are your thoughts on that? I think as a he is a coach that knows his players, and they got that far in the season based on what he what they were doing, mm-hmm. and. You don't change it up. You don't change up your your offensive schemes or the way you've done things based on the game. Mm-hmm. You're playing that kind of football. He knows his players. He knows his guys. He knows his offensive linemen. 
And had they made those plays, we're not talking about greatest yep. coach in the world to bring the Detroit Lions, you know, back from wherever, you know, uh, from not really having much of a history. Um, so we should have, would have, could have. He knows his players. He's not going to change it up. Um, I, I tell you what, I go to war with with that guy any day of the week, just mm-hmm. by the way you know way he talks, way he handles himself, and the way he, uh, just yeah, heck mm-hmm. yeah, sign me up. Yeah, and I agree with Joe. I, I'd even add to it. There's certain thing, and I believe analytics is a good thing for football, and it's a good thing for coaches and and to be aware of, but. I think coaches understand there's things that analytics don't measure. They don't measure the momentum in the game. Yeah. And that w- how that affects a team is tremendous. I mean, you might not see it. You hear about it occasionally on TV, but sometimes, like, the TV timeouts. I mean, I remember in Wisconsin, the difference of a nationally televised game versus a non-nationally televised game, it's a difference of, like, I think, 10 TV timeouts, something like that. I don't know the exact number. But all of a sudden, you're marching down, you know, getting – six yards at a pop or 15 yards at a pop, then all of a sudden TV timeout, 30-second break, hmm. coaches get to talk to you. It's like, what just happened? And that changes a lot. And that's something mm-hmm. ad- analytics can't take account for. And, uh, you know, like I know like us at Wisconsin, there were many times we went for it on fourth down and Coach Alvarez just staring us in the eye being like, we're getting this yard. And we knew we're mm-hmm. going to go out there and do it. Like, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a war. Mm-hmm. But we just knew we were going to get it. Our coaching staff knew we were going to get it, and whatever the analytics would have said back then, mm-hmm. we went out there and did it. And that's the way – and to Joe's point about Dan, it's like he did what he had to do. And the people that love him, love him for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll take that loss. He, that's what got them to this point right. was following his coaching and why change it mm-hmm. two weeks before the end of the year. I'm glad you brought up the momentum thing. I don't know if you saw George Kittle after the game, uh, the tight end for the 49ers in Iowa one. And, and I've had this argument with people too, and it's always bugged me. But he said, you know, I saw somewhere the analytics people don't believe in momentum. And I'm like, how do you – momentum's a thing. I mean, there's so much examples. And you just brought that up too. Mm-hmm. How is momentum not a thing? And I mean, it, it's it's got to be a huge factor Absolutely. in there. It's, Absolutely. It's, it's, it's larger than people know or, or, or give credit for. As a player, you get into that rhythm, you get into that rhyme, and, and, you're, and you're moving the ball and you're moving the ball, and then something happens like you shoot yourself in the foot – uh, drop ball, fumble, whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, and you don't have that same momentum. He, I know Coach Alvarez always talked about the, that pendulum would swing and make sure that it's swinging more our direction than the other direction, and bend but don't break was another common thing that was said. You Bend but don't break, you mm-hmm. know? So I think it's more important than people give it credit for. It, 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 mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's that important. A yeah. quick example I have from our time at college. We're playing at Ohio State in the shoe, and uh, it was I think it was like still to this day, like the third largest upset in, in Ohio State history. We go down 19 nothing at halftime. We couldn't do anything right the first half. Ohio State was doing everything right. They were stopping us. They were scoring. Uh, we got probably one of the most intense halftime speeches of our career. Uh, I joke, even our AD, Pat Richter, came in and yelled at us. I later told his son, he's like, no, my dad didn't yell. I go, your dad yelled and used some choice words. And uh, there were a lot of doors kicked. There was garbage cans yep. thrown. That was the first day we had a garbage can thrown over our head. Uh, and we went out that second half. We scored 42 points and shut them out. Holy! So God. we won 42-19. And there's the perfect example of momentum. They had it the first half. We had it the second half. Mm-hmm. I mean, our we got to the point, our offensive line coach, something was said on the sidelines. One of our teammates tried to suggest a play 
to the offensive line coach in the fourth quarter. And he was like, hey, I really think the backside zone's open. And our O-line coach doesn't even respond, walks onto the field while the ball's on the other side of the field, yells to the defensive line coach. He's like, hey, Pat, we're going to run the power until you stop it. Comes back over and looks at us and he goes, we're running the power. I think we ran the power like 20 (laughs) times in the second half. The linebackers are just calling out, watch the power, watch the power. They knew it was coming. We knew we were doing it. And it was just, who's going to stop the other one? That's amazing and, and, and crazy when you're you're in that situation and you're looking and like oh you you're in your stance and you're like is there anybody on the left side here like come on every, the the whole box is stacked on the right side yeah. they like, just knew where it was going yeah, yeah. they knew it, where it was going and it was are they going to stop us or are we going to bust through and we just kept busting through nonstop oh my goodness yeah. and, and our offensive line coach had had that mentality he was like if he could stand behind the offensive line and say it's, it's going there on two that's the mentality that he brought to the to the table mm-hmm. and and, and instilled in us like that's just the way it is yeah it, stop it man we could go on for a lot lot longer <laughs> huh, on this you get man. us fired up i know we have, know. A, we have one of those this. cabin coffees yeah. in the morning we got I a bunch of energy yeah. <laughs> caffeine ready to go and now he's talking sports and football and we live in memories like yeah. yeah this is so cool uh before i let you go though new month right yes flavor of the month uh, uh melt my heart coffee. mocha uh yeah it's that, it's that valentine's day themed you yep. know little uh little uh dark chocolate and some strawberry in there mm-hmm Absolutely. February get it for your 1st, girlfriend, it's over there. Get it, for your, uh, get it for your boyfriend, partners, whatever you got to do. Mm-hmm. And we sell gift cards. It's the place to be. And uh, hopefully they melt your heart in February. I uh, I sent you a text. I didn't mean to bother you on a Sunday either, but <laughs> uh, we stopped. My wife and I went through, and uh, she she's like, well, I want to grab some coffee. So we went to Cabin Coffee, and she ordered hers, uh, the white Palomino oh, with yeah. almond milk yeah. uh, in there. And the words, I'll, it's a podcast, I can say this. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, what? Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> My six-year-old's sitting in the back. She's like, yeah, I'm going to be coming back for that one. Yeah, <laughs> so I read I the text. I smiled. And uh, <laughs> I just sent the heart because I don't think anything else needs to be said after yeah. that. After that that line right there, I'm like, yep, that's that's it. Perfect. She did ask. She's like, did Joe say anything? I said, I got a heart. <laughs> <laughs> I got a heart I don't, after think, that. I don't think you need any words. No, exactly. Hey, so. speaking about calling out, so – We've shared some of Dan's posts of uh, the podcast on our social media. So I had the opportunity to look at your social media, and I saw a picture from the last Packer game with you and your son in yeah. uniform. And I was going to say, I don't like your game day fit. I saw you had sleeves on. <laughs> well, what's up with the sleeves? Your son's oh, not even wearing sleeves, snap. and you got sleeves. What, are you scared of the cold, Dan? Like, I just you, looked, and I was like, come you, on, man. You got you to go, go skin to win. You, you got skin me. To win. I thought I was accomplishing that with the pants that were like <laughs> it, Everything else didn't look small. good, but I was impressed. Hey, the kid, by the way, he uh, took it. He's like all into football right yeah. now. And he uh, dove into the couch two weeks ago today now. Head hit the ceiling. Staples in his head. And so we had to take him. You know what he did yesterday? He's like, okay, he got his helmet on, and he starts banging his head against the windowsill. It's good. So he's ready to go back in there. He's just going to wear the helmet right now. I don't want to say this, is but awesome. is is that the making of an offensive lineman? I mean, I, I, I don't know. Like, it sounds like he's got a little offensive I will lineman say this. going He's six. I'm not even making this up. He's six. He's already planning on playing for the Badgers, he said. Ooh, that's awesome. That's great. And Very he's cool. like, Dad, can I – I don't know what position to play. Running back, uh, wide receiver, or punter. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he's, so he's got options, I guess. Yes, but, yes, yeah, he he's dead set 
on playing for for the Badgers. Awesome. It's better than my son. My son's 13, and he's uh, he's becoming a really good football player right now. He's a hard worker. But when he was around that age, he wanted to play in the band at Wisconsin and wanted to be a tuba player. So at least your son has a little higher expectations <laughs> yeah. at the age of six than my son did. I had to go he, buy him a, a mouthpiece for his plastic helmet, too. So he's got his mouthpiece in and that's, everything. That's great. Yeah, that it's great. awesome. Make sure he uses his hands when he blocks, though. If yeah. he's practicing that old line, sure. and hands in front, thumbs up. All right. Well, I had to go outside and play catch with him. And that, like, as soon as school, with the weather now, he's like, Let's go outside play football. Awesome. Like, all right. Awesome. Very we cool. got to embrace it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, dudes, appreciate it, man. Looking forward again to, to your guys' podcast coming out. And, uh, yeah, you got me there, Bill. On <laughs> no sleeves. Good. No sleeves. Dang it. All right. Guys, appreciate it. Thank you very much. Take care. Awesome conversation again with Joe and Bill. Big thanks to those two guys for always popping on every week. Hey, that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast, though. Appreciate you tuning in. If you got a few seconds, don't forget to give us a five-star rating and a positive review wherever you listen to your podcast, like Apple or Spotify. That way, others can find the podcast. And don't forget to click that follow and subscribe button. It's for free. Till next time, I'm Dan Casper. I will talk to you on the next episode of the Man Cave Podcast.